and you crack on. I was just about to open with good morning, but technically now it's afternoon. Uh, but probably better to say happy Boxing Day, everybody, and hope you had a brilliant Christmas yesterday. Um, how about you, Jim? Pretty good, thanks. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Um, wired and fired. Got a few thoughts together this morning. I was actually talking about um, welcome to the viewers on TikTok. And I, if you want to give me gifts on TikTok, please feel free. <laughs> know that they'll give me. We'll just give them a charity anyway. Uh, and the same with Instagram. I don't know if you give gifts on Instagram or anywhere on social media. Anything that you give us, we'll give to charity anyway. Um, this isn't what this is about. This is to leave a legacy for myself and for my children so they understand where we're going with things. Um, and the lessons learned throughout the process. Uh, interestingly enough, this morning, Richard, I was I was going around and I was talking to uh, Ian. Uh, I usually go around on a Monday morning and talk to him about what's going on, how we're thinking and all the rest of it. Um, I thought it was actually quite interesting because um, we were talking about thing, we were talking about having faith um, and, and, and having faith in yourself for better things to come. A lot of people wake up in the morning and they just don't have any faith in themselves. They don't have any faith that it's actually going to get bigger and better uh, and yeah. better things are to come. But once you have that complete and utter faith in yourself and the fact that you've got bigger and better things to come, it doesn't matter how shitty day, uh, a day you're starting with. Um, you always have in your mind you've got bigger and better things to come. It's a real great, valuable lesson. It's taken me loads and loads of years to understand that um, and, and get that in my mind and have that sort of mindset. Um, so it doesn't matter where you are right now uh, in, your, in your investment journey, your property journey, and your wealth creation journey. You've, may, you've maybe not got a pot to piss in, to be honest, um, you know, for want of a better phrase. Uh, but, but I was like that as well at some point. Um, I recollected to Elaine uh, the other night when we were actually out and about in the pubs um, of uh, the nice fair city of Leaven, or the fair city, fair city, fair town. There <laughs> you go. See the pace that actually might we might be a city at some point in time. Um, <laughs> and and to go back to where we came from, I remember I used to sit with Elaine and we used to sit and talk about this. And I used to say, Elaine, we're going to be millionaires. You know, I'm going. To, we're going to be a millionaire, mm -hmm. uh, and we're going to be a millionaire by the time we retire. Um, and in my mind, it was sixty-five, but but. You know, I said, you know, when you look back on it now and think, God almighty, to think at the first million actually came when I was 38 year old. Um, and it, yeah, and it's like, wow. And, and to actually start reflecting back on what you've been grateful for and your journey you've actually taken, it's mind-blowing. It's actually yeah. mind-blowing to think that that's where, that's where it all started, you know, from homeless and unemployed. Yeah. And, uh, and that, uh, if I want a better phrase, that meteoric rise of of where the wealth came from but i have to go back to having the faith and the belief in yourself and i had that complete faith and most people actually i used to tell most people this we've talked about this before i used to tell most people this that i will be a millionaire one day i definitely know that and some people went i believe you jim definitely and you have that mindset and you have that determination yeah. and i could see that in you and other people just dismissed me and thought pipe dream and that's where their belief is, you see. That's, that says a lot about them. So when you think that about someone else, you've got to then reflect on yourself and actually say to yourself, why am I actually thinking like that? Yeah. Why, do I actually, why do I actually have a go at someone else? Why do I want to be like that with someone else? You know, a lot of people um, will be in a position, uh, maybe they're down in their luck, and maybe, like you say, they didn't have a pot to piss in. And so it can be really hard to change your mindset and have the actual belief and faith in yourself. Um, that's a really, that's a really hard thing to do. Um, but that's having faith. 
That's where the faith comes in. The faith to realize that where you are right now won't be the same all your life. It will change at some point in time for you for the better. And if you have that complete faith that that will happen, you will never be. You will never be unhappy. You will never be disgruntled. You know it will change over the years. And um, so that's where you have to get to in your own mindset. But that takes associating with the right people, reading the right books, listening to the right podcast, taking advice from mentors far more successful than you um, because they've trodden that path before and they have that journey. They've done that journey before. They know what it's like, even though it's not in your sphere of, of you know, what you're doing, maybe profit investing, maybe they're in manufacturing, maybe someone else is in, you know, being a podcaster, maybe someone else is in a YouTube star. They've all trodden that path to some degree. That's what you don't realise. And, and it's exactly the same mentality and the same mindset throughout the whole process that everybody else takes. It's just a different service or product that they're delivering. But the same, it's the same principles all the way through. Well, people don't realise that. That's how, that's how you become successful. The key here is to understand commercially, commercial reality, I talk about this all the time, is where you are right now. Where you are right at this point in time, be honest with yourself. Take stock of where you are, and then you know where to go from there. If you don't know where you are, how do you know where you want to go? Yeah, that's true. If you don't have a set of goals on a football pitch, how do you know where to score? Mm -hmm. How can you keep score if you don't have the goals? So you that's why that's why you have goals, that's why you write it down. That's why you have it in your mind. That's why you remember it. That's why you think about it all the time. Because that's how you get that information. That's how you get that put forward to yourself. So it's understanding commercial reality where you are right now. And so you can build on it for the future, for yourself and for your family and for your extended family and people around about you and your friends. Foundations are key here. Okay. This is another lesson I learned this morning, and actually when I look back on it, is the foundations are important. A lot of people put the foundations in only to think that they've actually not achieved anything. But what they don't realise, especially in property investing, for example, because so much money goes in up front at the beginning, so much time and effort goes in at the front in the beginning, in property investing especially. You buy the property, you spend so much money on refurbing the property, uh, you've got it all tied into the property, and you think to yourself, this isn't going anywhere. There's no happening for me. Now, what happens at that point in time, you've lost sight of your vision. That's why, that's why you start to think like that. In anything you do, in any wealth creation you do, you don't realise the long-term implications about where you are and how how you could achieve. But what you're doing in property investing is you're putting, you're duplicating. So every single time you're duplicating. So one, two, three, four, you're doing the same every single time. And what you're not realising is what a lot of people lose the vision for, is they think they're not getting anything because they're doing it so quick, but they're investing so much money. So they're investing the money from one of them into the next one, to the next one, into the next one, into the next one, into the next one. And they don't realise that actually every single time you're investing that money, they're not actually, they're not actually making money, but what you're doing is you're planting more seeds. You're planting more trees, which will sprout more fruit. So there comes to a point in your journey where you actually, if you if you stopped later on in the years to come and that moved them to long-term vision and you stop in the years later to come, you realise that the fruit is there. You've just got to go and start harvesting it. Yeah. But it's because you're continually putting it in, you're no seeing it, you don't see any 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 reward. It's important to reward yourself, by the way, on the journey. But I'm not talking about getting yourself fancy cars and all the rest of it. 
I'm not talking about, you know, you bought a couple of houses, let's go and buy a Ferrari. Well, that's not exactly a, an equitable reward, is it? It's a reward like, you know, for example, let's go out for one night out for a change. We've never had a night out in ages. Let's reward ourselves and go out for a night out. We'll go out for a, a good restaurant. We'll have a good yeah, bottle of wine. We'll enjoy ourselves. And that will be our reward. That's good to have we reward all the way through. Now, I'll be honest, I do nothing of that and I've done nothing of that. And it's only now I'm starting to reward myself a wee bit for it. Yeah. But I was able to do that because I had the, the, the medium and long-term vision and I kept it on my mind every single time because I was always able to extrapolate and forecast on what I was doing. Extrapolation means you're taking your current position now and you're actually forecasting the numbers for years later on about where your wealth is getting created and how much it's adding on every single year. If you can if you can extrapolate your what you've got now and see the vision by what you're building on for the future, you can easily see where the rewards are. Yeah. A lot of people don't do that, and it's only I'm fortunate because I'm an accountant by trade and I, I understand the full process of extrapolation and forecasting and budgeting. So that's quite a good one. But it's important to realise that a lot of people actually give up at the foundational process. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think the important thing to remember there as well is uh, time. Do you know what I mean? It takes time to do that. And that's what we would like property investment and things. It's not an overnight thing. Um, do you know what I mean? So that's what people have to remember as well. Some yeah. people look for instant rewards and gratification and, and things to happen overnight and that's not what's going to happen yeah and we're going to talk about that in some of the properties i've actually talked um, i'm talking about today um so the foundations um and i do see people giving up even now on the foundational process and actually not realizing what they've got and i'm like oh i'm happy to buy that yeah, it's like because i've just realized the they've done all the work and built the foundations and i'm about to reap all the rewards at what they've done and they have no idea what's what's happened. When I'm sitting saying to them, I wouldn't be selling them out. I'd be holding tight. No, no, I've just had enough. It's like, my God. Like, okay, that's fine. It's for you. It depends on what people see for them for the future and where they want to go and how they want to do it. Um, so that's what it is. Uh, now, this is actually quite important. This is a journey. Uh, so let's talk about the first one we talked about last week, the one that I really got caught about. Uh, this is the one of the properties that, uh, on the journey. Now, this was the next property. One, two, three, four. This is property number five. Okay. So what happened here? Jeez, I thought I had the Midas touch at that point in time. I thought everything I touched turned to gold, um, especially where I was uh, at that point in time and how everything was growing so quick and how I was to get, getting all these opportunities. And I, 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 for once in my life, forgot about my due diligence. I forgot to look at the, you know, the surveyor's report. At that time, you, you did get a scheme one surveyor's report and they yeah. came in and they, they said certain things. And I thought, nah, I'm getting this property for the best part of... Now, I think I actually bought this property for uh, 10 grand. So what, <laughs> is this a one-bedroom? One-bedroom flat, bought for yeah. 10 grand. It was a repossession. I bought for 10 grand. I could not believe it. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah... Uh, un unbelievable when you think about it, a one-bedroom flat for 10 grand. But I realised I could actually get, at that time, £280 a month for that. £280 a month for a 10 grand property. It needed a bit of work done in it because it was a bit tired. It had single glazing. It had an older kitchen. It had a, you know, no very fantastic shower room. It was right off the living room. It wasn't my greatest thing, but you couldn't get another... You couldn't get a, a hallway in between. So basically, you're going, ah, I'm going to the toilet while everybody's sitting in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like that's no something you really want anybody to hear while you're there. So I did put double doors in between. 
Right. So I put a wee bit in between, uh, and I moved it back a bit to put, to put double doors, so you didn't actually hear anything that was happening in the toilet. And I literally had the bedroom of the toilet of, of the living room as well. But I tell you what, the kitchen was off the back, and that's where you go in, and it was a ground floor flat. And I thought, for ten grand, yeah, you know, even if you get two hundred fifty quid or two hundred quid a month a month for that, that's a that's a winner. That's a winner, definitely. So that's how I looked at it in in terms of the return. Now. The difficulty of this, though, uh, is I got caught out because I didn't do my due diligence. And it was only one day I decided to change the um, shower room. The shower room wasn't great. It was one of these old plastic trays which moved every time. And the seal burst on the shower tray. So what was happening before with the person? Because the seal was bursting on the shower tray. So make sure you get good quality shower trays, by the way. Usually yeah. hard, hard, you know, um, resin shower trays durable or, ones, yeah. you know, durable ones. No, no, these plastic ones, they're rubbish uh, because they start bouncing about and then the, 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 the seal around seal the shower the comes off and, and it breaks down the seal. The tenant doesn't tell you, by the way, and then the next minute the water goes all down the back onto the floor and over a period of time it could cause serious problems and it yeah, did. I've seen that happen a lot. Yeah, well, I actually sent Mark round to put a new shower room in and he took the shower out, and he took the base out, and he went, he phoned me up one night about 11 o'clock at night. See, I did business with Mark, where he was my contractor. We were doing business with each other at 10 and 11 o'clock at night, because he knew I didn't have enough hours in the day. I had to work full-time during the day. So he actually accommodated me in the middle of the night. So we used to phone each other at these times, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock at night to get jobs done and get things lined up. So he phoned me and says, look, Jim, you better you better come up and see this property because I've taken the shower tray out and and, and you're not gonna you're gonna be a, you're not gonna like what you're gonna see. So I walked in the door and literally the shower room had had a defective seal all that time from before. It obviously affected the joists because it went right through in the flooring. It had, it, and the flooring actually went under the wall, straight under the joists, all of it under the wall, where between the 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 um, toilet and the bedroom. So, uh, because these these properties never had toilets at the time, so it was put in later on on grants. Oh, geez, yeah. So there was it went right through the floor, all on the floor, and then it went right through the floor into the living room. So every single floor was rotten, every single joist was rotten. The, the whole, whole lot had to come up. The whole house, the whole house had to get ripped out completely. And I just sat and thought, "Geez, how am I going to afford that?" And so that property literally sat empty for maybe about a year, a year and a half, or maybe two years. Um, it was a it was a big learning curve for me to do due diligence, uh, and luckily enough, um, at the time there was a grant that became available as a fifty fifty grant, um, from the council, and it was to get it was to get empty homes back into use, and and a charge an affordable rent, and I said, well, what's an affordable rent? Well, it's what you're charging the now. Oh, okay, that's fine then, because what I was charging the now was was the affordable rent as in housing benefit. Yeah, um, I'm in. yeah, and that's classified as affordable rent. So I was fine with that, uh, and and I said that's okay. And I I put fifty percent, and they put fifty percent, and the works were actually thirty four thousand pound. It's about three yeah. times what you paid for it. <laughs> so I had to put I had to put seven grand, uh, seventeen grand into it, um, but I had a, a perfectly all singing, all dancing property um, yeah. at that at that property itself. So basically, I, I sunk twenty seven into it, but they had actually sunk seventeen into it. So it, it just shows you. 
but it was a pristine, it was a brand new kitchen, brand new uh, double glazing, it was brand new uh, shower room, it was brand new flooring, it was brand new, even the joists above the windows that actually were all wood, that's how old the, the, the property was, so they had to be taken out and put concrete in as well, so um, so that then uh, got me to that stage where I'd sunk about, what, maybe about 27,000 into it, but luckily enough in 2006 I sold it for 47,000. Okay. Yeah, so I made a good profit on it, uh, and I made a good return. And but it, it was important to tell me about um, to do your due diligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean that'll work. That'll worked out for you in the end. But um, it's it's it could have been a really well. It was a costly mistake initially. Well, what was the worst that could happen, Richard? I continued to rent it, and I didn't yeah. sell it. You know, the money was there for taking when the when the meteoric rise in property prices. So there was there was no point. I mean, within a period of eight years, it had actually it had actually from from the ten grand I bought it for, it effectively double, uh, tripled in value. So it made sense actually for me to to exit at that point in time and get rid of that property because I never really liked it in the first place. But because mm-hmm. we got a grant towards it, it, it made it made sense to do it. The next one for me as well was a one bedroom. Yep. Um, and that was an upper flat. Um, that was and incidentally that was bought. <laughs> That was bought for nine thousand three hundred and eight pound, a one bedroom. Really? Yeah, and you've still again, got this one. Again, I, I saw opportunity all over the place when I looked at these properties. I saw that I had the vision and the foresight to see what was going to happen next in these areas. I saw the amount of people coming in. I saw where it was in proximity to leaving, um, and all the amenities as well. And I thought, can nobody see this? And this is the thing about trusting your own what you believe that you see yourself, you have to do that. Even though the reason that somebody has to come first, you've got to realize that. And a lot of people actually think, no, how's nobody else? Yeah, be me. yeah how's it? How's it? How's no one else seen this? How, you know, how would no one else see what I can see? But do you think Elon Musk said that to himself? Do you think Richard Branson said that to himself with, Richard, with Virgin Atlantic? No, they went, nobody knows about this. This is fantastic. And they just went and did it. Um, and that's having the belief in yourself and having the trust in yourself. But that's, again, through mentors, books, podcasts. It's all that conditioning that goes on in your mind to actually convince yourself all that previous programming is, is a lot of bullshit, you know, about what makes you think you're so special and that's no for the likes of us. And to ignore what you're saying there, ignore this voice in the back of your head. It's your wee chimp talking away to yourself, trying to put yourself off. Oh, I'm just trying to protect you. I'm just trying to protect you. And, you know, just pardon you. Oh, you're all right. You're all right. Just just go with the status quo. Just, no, no, don't go with the status quo. It makes sense. The numbers make sense. Go for it. Yeah. Um, so actually, and I still own that one today. Yeah. I think some people, like, when they tap into things and, and realise how things work and, and yeah. how it could benefit them and think, how is nobody else doing this? They will doubt that. Should we, people will doubt themselves and think, no, that can't be right. Somebody else has to have done this before me. Absolutely. Um, so do you know over case. all the years that I've had that property, um, I actually remortgaged it for 27000 and um, uh, oh God, I can't mind when the, all the buy-to-lets started to come available through GMAC. Right. And I got a lifetime tracker <laughs> <laughs> of a base plus 1.15%. For life until 2035. So that lifetime tracker until 2035. I literally pay £78.26 a month for that property. And I earn £375 a month for that now in rent. 
I will never get rid of that lifetime tracker. Even though I could get further advances on this, I won't get rid of that lifetime tracker because it's base plus 1.15 for life from GMAC. Yeah. That's where you have to remember. It's easy. To, you could maybe get a further advance if I, if I need it, but it's locked in value. It's locked in wealth. It's actually an easy mechanism to 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 lever, leverage yourself in case you need lending from someone else. So it's the old thing about, you know, when the tide goes out, we'll know who's swimming naked. So I'm not going to be swimming naked because I'm protected by the amount of equity I've got in the property. Yeah. So 27,000 are mortgaged up at, it's probably worth, probably about, what, 55 the day or something like that? 50, 55, these properties? Say about 55. Bought it for nine, it's worth about 50. So it's worth four times, 400% more now than what I bought it for. And plus the fact I've earned about... Ninety thousand pounds in rent out of it for a nine grand property. Now it's not just been nine grand. I'll point out to everybody what it is: is I've put a new kitchen in it, yeah. I've put a new shower room in it over time. I've decorated, I've carpeted it multiple times. I've even changed the heating system because one of the one of the tenants actually um, stole the hot water tank one year out of that property. I remember that where it was like there's water dripping from the ceiling here. A wee drip. Where is it coming from? And I went up and I thought. There's a lot of cut up, there's a lot of pipes cut up here. It's like surely the the you know the the heating system must have been changed and it must be a now it must be a combi boiler now. And it's like, no, it's still the old back boiler. And then I realized the tenants had actually stolen the hot water <laughs> tank and actually sold it for scrap so they can get money for drugs. Unfortunately, you can't catch everyone. Uh, William William and his brother aren't with us anymore, unfortunately. Um they're possibly in jail. Um, but but they'll never ever get a house from ever again. It's the lessons you learn on the way, yeah? and how to screen people out, and and that's one of the processes. But it's, it just shows you, um, you know, the lifetime trackers, the return on investment, um, the the not chopping down the tree that bears the fruit, uh, and the continual investment in your stock to make sure it's continually improved. Because again, single glaze when we first started, it didn't have fantastic wiring at the time. It was it was compliant. It didn't have a it had a back boiler at the time, but it's now got a proper um, a boiler. Um, it didn't have a, a you know a decent kitchen at the time. We now took the kitchen out completely and made a brand new kitchen all the way to the back because there was a, there was a door off the back there, a sliding door that you went through to just this wee hovel, um, which no longer exists. We extended the kitchen through the back, so that all cost money to invest in it. So the initial, new, yeah, the initial it's got investment. New, it's got a new new PVC door on that one as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was last year or something we put that on. But again, that was over time. I got I got access to grants for the UPVC doors and windows. So again, I took the opportunity and just started throw caution to the wind and start uh, improving and upgrading while I was getting assisted uh, assisted uh, money towards it. Yeah. Why I think it's you? important that people, uh, if there's grants and things available, obviously use them and look out for them, uh, whether it's heating or windows or do you know what I mean, anything like that, because no, they can be a big help. If you hang around long enough, the opportunity will appear. If you hang around long enough, the opportunity will appear. Just hang around long enough. Don't quit. Because the opportunity will appear at some point in time. The next one, a lower flat, actually. You'll know this one as well, actually. Um, because we've still got the existing tenants in it. I had when I sold it. Yeah, they're still there. I don't know what one you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And I sold it in 2007. Just shows you. Yeah. They've been there all that time with the other landlord since 2007. That's 25 years. Yeah. And I had them before that 
for about five years before that. So they've been with us for 30 years under management with us, with some another investor, and also with me as well. I bought in 98, I bought it for 18,000, um, and I subsequently sold it for 63,000. Eight years later. Do you know return there? Another yeah, 250 percent. You could see obviously in that instance why you chose to um to sell that one. I you notice the, the pattern of behavior here. I decided to sell in 2006-2007 uh, primarily because one of them I was I was in a, I became an estate agent at that time because I had retired. Um and I thought that's the natural thing to do. And I thought it's maybe now time to take some of the profits. Um, and luckily enough, I did because it allowed me to buy a place in Spain. It allowed me to to upgrade to my existing house. Uh, this was actually quite interesting. This one um, and the other ones. Uh, this was the stories about um, from here when I used to on a weekend. I used to um, get out my bucket and my uh, cleaning materials, and I used to walk in up and down the street because uh, I lived in the same street anyway. And most people from the previous show know the street. Um, but I used to walk up and down the street and just have my, my, my overalls on and they were all hanging. I looked like some do it, like a junkyard or whatever. I just like covered in dirt all the time. And I just used to go up and down during the weekends and at nights. Uh, and, I, and I thought it was quite interesting because the, the neighbours used to be out in their gardens that lived in the same street as me. Uh, and it was a sunny day and they're all having a barbecue and they're all having a wonderful time enjoying themselves getting drunk. And, and and they used to go, they used to laugh at me when I walked past. Yeah, hey, there he is. It's like, you know, just, just laughing at me and thinking, what are you doing, Jim? You know, why are you doing things like that? Why are you doing that? What's the point of that? And I knew where I was going and what I was doing and what I wanted to achieve. Um, but they never got it. They never actually got the memo about, you know, investing in themselves and seeing the future and planning for the future. Um, and I think that was one of the lessons that that property actually the, that these properties and other properties actually told me was planning investing for the future um, for myself. But I had that vision. I had that faith in myself anyway. I knew where I was going. I knew the foundations I was building, and this was part of the foundations. But interestingly enough, this was actually a really good story to take that wee bit stage further. So what happened out of that is, and this is a wee bit further on in my journey, but I think I should talk about it now, these people in the gardens that used to laugh at me and, and all the time, is there came a point in time where I actually... No, let's let's talk about the next couple of properties. Actually, remind me of this, and I'll talk about this journey. What happened next? Because because it's important. Because we did use the existing house we were in to rent the the next couple of properties. So that's the one, and, and it happened in there. Um. So, and it also gave me a lot of learning curves. This one it was talking about the now about about the tenants. This was one of the ones that actually one of the tenants actually phoned me up one day and said to me. The neighbour upstairs is terrible. They're creating a whole lot of noise and all the rest of it. And they're carrying carry on. And then I even got a phone call from the person next door about these tenants in this property saying they've got their music playing, playing loud. And it's at half 10 at night. And I'm like, really? A half, you know, there's blaring loud and all the rest of it. I says, I can't hear it through the phone. Oh, you'll not hear it through the phone, but it's terrible. And it's going on. It, it, it's absolutely, no, I, I can't live with this anymore. And I was like, and it was, it's anti-social behaviour. And this tenant was going on about my tenant in this property. Yeah. So I thought, I'm not going to leave this. I'm going to go up now in my car. So I went up and walked around the back, and it was completely silent. There was no noise at all. And I phoned up the next door neighbour on my mobile phone, because I had a mobile phone at that time. Yeah. 
Right, how are you getting on? Is it still going? Oh, it's terrible. It's the noise <laughs> that's coming from that place. It's absolutely unbelievable. It's like ridiculous. It's like these people are, are, are you'll have to get rid of them. And I says, oh, funny enough, I'm outside your back door right now and I can't hear anything. I silence at the end of the phone. He never phoned me back. This is the one about, I'll tell you what, you know yourself, Richard, don't ever tell me a story. It's a lie. Because I'll find you straight away. Because he never expected me to get in my car and drive up there and stand out there at half 10, 11 o'clock at night and actually see what was going on. But I was I was always a person that's like, don't tell me something that's not the truth. Because yeah. I'll go and prove. <laughs> I'll go and find out for myself. And what yeah. betide you if I find out that you're telling me a lie? Because yeah. that'll be the end of the conversation from there. So I actually caught him out on this one. This was this was Andy Page. I was actually no Sandy Page. It was in there. So I've known Sandy. I've known Sandy for years. Sandy was a fantastic tenant. He moved around my stock because he had bigger family and lower family requirements yeah, at the yeah, time. So I had no reason to believe he was going to be antisocial. Um, and and it was as I said, it was a complete and utter fabrication by the the neighbour next door who owned their house. This yeah. is the thing about owners. Owners get annoyed at the fact that people rent next door at that time. I know, it's crazy. They were aggravated, yeah. And they used to just take, they used to hate people just because they rented. Yeah, so I, see, I see that a lot still. And it's, it's like, how could you be like that just because somebody's renting a property? They've got they've got the same right to be somewhere just as much as their household. I know, but they don't like the fact that someone else has got a similar type of house to them and the effort they've had to put yeah. in to get theirs. But what they don't realise is like, you know, you made the decisions to buy your house. You made the decisions to go on holiday as well. You made the decisions to buy your new car. You didn't do anything extra. So therefore, that's why you are where you are right now. You made the decisions not to get trained at school. You made the decisions not to stick in at school, not to go on for further education, not to do professional exams. So that's why you are where you are right now. For that reason. You made no sacrifices to get that. That's why you live next door to someone that's renting. For that very reason, harsh reality, but it's true. Yeah, but people are a stickler for that sometimes, and it's uh, makers' belief that it happens. Yeah. So we sold that on, and luckily enough, we made bon a bonus out of that as well because we got it back to rent, didn't we? It was actually sold yeah. on. This was a scam that went around at the time where actually property sourcers recognised this story. Property sourcers were going around at the time, and they were selling these properties on to the existing landlord that we've got the now. And they sold her this property. They bought it off of us, sourced it for her, made a huge fear of her at the time, and sold her a property and convinced her that they would get loads of workers in it. HMO? There was no HMO at that time. They were plowing workers in it. And this person actually had the pretense about thinking, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to make a fortune at this property. Not realising that there was this was... It wasn't against the law at that time, but it was immoral at what they were doing. But they just saw money in front of them. Yeah. So this property sourcer at that time sold the property they sourced off of me and sold it onto that person on the premise that they would get people from uh, Kettle Produce in there. You know, all the people from overseas, they just yeah. bust everybody in. They would charge them every month. They would charge them £100 each every month. There'd be about six people in there. They'd make £600 a month for this property. Now, at that time, I was making probably about, what, three twenty. They were making double the amount, but it all went pear-shaped. I'd imagine it would. <laughs> the legislation came in, 
the people weren't paying rent. The person was actually in the daily record running about. They were they were they were getting castigated as a, as a sorcerer. They were running about in their Mercedes top of the range property uh, car, and they were getting nailed to the wall. And the fact that they were selling people investments that actually weren't really the truly the investments they were actually selling. Um, and this was the this was this will fill them with loads of workers. So it all went pear shaped, and she came back to us. And, and and we we actually still rent it today for that reason. Yeah, still got that one, yeah. And we still give her advice, to, you know, on what she should be doing with it and how she should be uh, using it. Um, but she was stuck with it for years because it was negative negative equity, um, yeah. and she couldn't do anything with it. So that was a real good lesson in terms of that one. Uh, the next one, actually, two bedroom ground floor. Yeah. Believe it or not, it was the same scenario. Again, sold by the same property sourcer to this landlord. Mm -hmm. And it was the exact same scenario what we what we got, but I bought it for seventeen thousand and I sold it for sixty-three thousand. Yeah. We've still got it and we've got good tenants in it. As I, well. I made forty-five thousand on it. I made about two hundred and fifty to three hundred percent in in eight years. Actually less than that. Um yeah, no, eight years. I'll I'll, I'll say eight years. Because it's a good return anyway. Plus the fact I made rent on it at the same time as well. But the one thing I learned out of that is like, oh my god. It's like you need to, again, it's all about policing the property. It's all about making sure everything's okay, all about doing inspections and repairs. The people over the years I've had in there, um, they've really opened my eyes. And this was this was me getting a, a lesson on the ground um, and about of this is the difference between wisdom and experience. Mm -hmm. Now, at this time, I was learning by, by experience. I was just actually having to go through this because I didn't know how to vet people properly. I tried my best. We actually kept a record of all the convictions in the papers. So every every single week, we used to get the East Five Mail, we used to get the Five Three Press, we used to get the the St Andrew Citizen, we used to get the Cooper Herald, and we, and we used to get the um, all these papers. We used to go in and we used to because all the court convictions were put in there by record, and then we used to take the people. We used to get a database. We never had a spreadsheet at that time. We just had a folder. We used to take the person's name when it was reported, where their who their aliases are, or who they've who their associates are with them. We used to also take their address of where they were before. Uh, and then when they inquired with us and we had a name and we thought, whoa, that rings alarm bells. We used to look up a, a wee list about all the Ds, all the Bs, all the Cs. We used to look, there's a surname. Or, all right, OK. Uh, and then we used to say, oh, so what was your previous address? Oh, it's so-and-so. Oh, that confirms it with that one. Uh, no chance. Uh, we will never be taking you. We never said that to them. We just said, look, you know, unfortunately on this occasion, yeah. the landlord, you know, has rented someone else. And so unfortunately you've missed out on this occasion. So these were all good properties actually to learn through the process about how to properly vet and how to look out for for problematic tenants um, before you actually got them. And we know this today because we yeah. still use a similar system about how we do things. Although it's yeah. a lot more, it's a lot better and it's a lot more efficient. Uh, rather yeah, and, than and I think... When you do the whole referencing process and that for so long, um, and and it just in Fife in general, you get to know certain names and things yeah. that all, yeah. come up straight away, don't they? Yeah. You get to know the names of the travellers. You know, they do they do go to a place for the winter. They do get a place for the winter, and then they're you know they're not exactly the most social people. They're pretty antisocial sometimes, um, and and they live how they live, and that's fine, but. Living in a street uh, next to other people isn't the place for them, um, because of their lifestyle and how they are. And so you get you get to know the certain names of certain people, and you get the experience over the years about what to watch out for, what to look out for. So these are all good lessons to learn, 
um, on these properties. Um, and that's probably the best lessons I've learned on these. The next one is my own house. Yeah, this is when you lived in. When we lived in, yeah. We were in a position now because we'd sold all these properties. We had a huge capital gain. Oh, my bill that year and capital gains was horrendous. It's like, but I had six years, so I had 60% indexation because they were doing indexation at that time. So I had more than six years because it built up 5% a year or something like that. So I had 60% indexation on my capital gains. And then you were getting the allowance as well, the personal allowance. So Elaine and I was able to use this to our advantage. And so it made absolute sense to do that. But but the capital gains bills each year, these years were pretty horrendous um, in that time. Um, but that allowed, us, that allowed us to look at moving. So in... June 1999 is when we first moved. Now, remember, I wasn't making money at that time because, remember, I was still... Um, that was 2007 I sold these properties. So that money wasn't there yet. That was to allow for my next move. Yeah. But we still... That still allowed me to move. Now, the 163, um, the one that I'm in, uh, the one that I had, um, that we lived in, let me just recap on that. That was the property that we moved into that everybody took up on. <gasps> You're moving in there? Yeah. Are you not? And it's like, but that's the one that set us free because it was a far better property, but it was half the price of what we lived in before. But now it's a decent size property as well. It's not like it's... Uh... The great advantage of this one, though, is the very fact that you now get principal, principal private residence relief. You also yeah. get a, 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 an indexation relief at the end as well because you lived in it previously. There was, there's still... It's no that great advantageous now in tax advantages, but you still get some, you know, and you get an allowance at the end because you lived in it previously. If you rent the the house and then 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 sell it, I'd never had any intention of selling. I still own it today. Yeah. But we bought that for twenty seven thousand, and today it's probably worth around about what maybe sixty now. They're about sixty. You're getting for them. Yeah. So doubled in value, and that's decent. But more importantly. The rent I've actually earned over all these years has been in excess of over a hundred thousand pounds in rent. Over a hundred thousand pounds in rent for a property I bought for twenty-seven thousand. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and it continues to uh, perform well. Today. And that's one of the ones I've got in a fixed rate today of four point one nine one percent five-year deal. So that's one of these ones, and and that was that was uh, so the mortgage for that is two hundred eighteen pounds, and we're getting four seven five for it. It's all right. Yeah. And just so like people are aware, you're saying you you've got the four seven five, and I think the well I know the the local housing allowance now is uh, four seven three, so it's still in line with the. But that's local a two. If you change that to three bed, you know yourself that front room could be a three bed. Yeah. And I've had it as a three bed before. And I've actually got 550 to 600 of it. At one point in time, I was getting 750 of it yeah. every month. That's how much. £9,000 a year in rent for a property that I bought for 27000 That's a good return. If you wait long enough, the rules will change to accommodate. There'll be, there, you know, it's just waiting for the opportunity to that happen. I can't express that. I can't impress that as, as any more on people. If you wait long enough, the opportunity will appear. You've just got to hang around long enough. It's like you mentioned, it's that's the delayed gratification. It is. It's the farm I made. I had no intention of ever spending any of this money. I was still working at this time as well in, two, in 1999, and I was using my salary when we moved. 
So it was, it, we we lived on my salary. We never lived on any of our house's income. All that money went back into the property. I never even took out anything for, for being the letting agent. And people used to say, you should really take out something as a normal letting agent and live on that as well. I was like, oh, hell. It's like, I want this to be a, I want this to be an investment vehicle. I don't want it to be an income vehicle just now. I want it to be an investment vehicle where it multiplies and compounds and wealth over time. See how I see the bigger picture? I'm not thinking the one or two properties, are I'm thinking a lot of properties. I had a, I wee, think... I had a wee spreadsheet, remember, still on me, which actually extrapolated in 40 years' time, I'd have 100,000 properties. Now, that's clearly not the case. <laughs> I'm moving a fraction to that. But in my mind, I was thinking, this works logically on a spreadsheet. This is why I laugh at some people, or I laugh with them. I don't laugh at them. I laugh mm-hmm. with them when they go on social media and they go, if you do this and you do that and you do this in an ideal world, this is all happen for you. And it's like, no, that'll not happen because it's no an ideal world. And and I should be the one to say that because I had the biggest extrapolation of what could happen, 100,000 properties, and it's never, ever going to happen, ever. I can go what you said last week as well, uh, I think it's important for people to remember that at this point you've still got you you still got your jobs and that income and that's what you're living on and the yeah. money from the property and things is going back into that and building. Elaine that. was retired at that point in time, by the way. Elaine, Elaine then, didn't need to work. No, but then you used Elaine's retirement money to obviously fund the the whole. Yeah, uh, Elaine's retirement money couldn't came in really handy. I mean, it was three times the redundancy at the time. It was £17,000 from Diageo, and it was like, thank you very much. Cha-ching. Uh, and that was perfect because you see the price of these properties and how much you need to put in a, down as the deposit, and you were getting 90% loan-to-value at that time. Some of them were 80% loan-to-value when you were remortgaging onto the GMAC residential and other, other ones. Um, but you were getting really preferential rates as well. You were getting interest-only mortgages as well. I was doing capital repayment at the beginning. So I was now getting interest only. So it was releasing a lot more funds every month to keep reinvesting, reinvesting, reinvesting in terms of cash flow that's coming in. So now at that point in time, because I was getting interest only mortgages, my cash flow was similar to my profit, whereas it wasn't before. The cash flow was a lot less than your your profit because most of that cash flow was going down to pay down loans, which was insistent on the bank. So it was that time at the GMAT residential that came out with interest-only mortgages and buy-to-let mortgage came out for the first time, I, I, I turned around to the bank and said, I don't need your term loan anymore. I'm going to take all my properties out of term loan and I'm going to put them on interest-only mortgages and I'm going to remortgage them at higher rates so I can get even more money out so I can invest even, even in, in more property. And that's what that allowed me to do, put more money back in. I never went out and bought myself a new car. I never went out and did anything else. I never went out and bought a dream home. Everything I lived on was my income I earned and my job. My job, by the way, had actually jumped my double my salary. Mm-hmm. And it's because of everything I learned from my mentors. And that was a, a key principle as well. And my double my salary allowed me then for Elaine to retire because I was getting the dual income. And then we were we were able to have a family now. You know, because we held off because we thought we couldn't afford to have a family. Well, you know, you can't afford to have a family. It's a priority for you. It's, it's where you where you want to do. Do you want to spend your money on your holidays or do you want to spend your money on having a family? I think investing in a family is a lot better. I keep speaking to Ian this every single Monday morning and I keep saying to Ian every single Monday morning, I tell you what, when you get to 40 or 50, you've got to be hell of a lonely without a family. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty depressing. 
and I, and I do see it, and people right now round about me uh, do not, and I've chosen not to have children. I've actually, I, it's I, just I, becoming I, a more common thing. Ah, the life's pretty depressing. It's pretty depressing when you look at the life now. It's like you know, the, you think they've they've got the world on their as a, they've got the world on a stick when they're younger, but later on in life they've got no one round about them at all. Yeah. Um, they've not really built that. You, you know, they convince themselves they've got friends. Oh, I've got friends. It's like no, you've not really. It's like you've got you've got people, but they're all away now because they've got families and they're enjoying their family. So therefore, you're on your own. Yeah. So this is why it's important to have your family and your network and actually realise that you know we are here to have children. By the way, yeah. it's like that's what that's a, a human basic instinct. Uh, uh, you know, humans. I, I don't I don't care what anybody says out there. A uh, human basic instinct, a basic um, animal instinct level. We are here to procreate on Earth. That's yeah. that's the reality. Uh, and and you know I, people can choose not to have families. That's right. Hey, that's your choice. But you'll be a hell of a lonely when you get to your your forties and your fifties. I'll guarantee you. That even in your sixties, you'll be like looking back and thinking. Geez. And I only know that because the people I know are like that right now, as I said. Um, yeah. But as a choice, it's a personal choice for everybody. I just know I made the right decision for me. So that was the, that was the next one. And and from my own personal house. Um, as I said, tax advantages, what we did. It, it, we used it for what we used it at the time. That's another way somebody can start off and buy to let for the first time. They can start off and buy to let for the first time. They can buy a property to live in. And then eventually with a the prospect, they've got because the, they've got the numbers right in the beginning, is then they just release the funds from it and then go and buy a house for themselves again and actually rent that property. Yeah. That's a way to do it because that's, that's effectively what we did. I don't think in the beginning... With the ones that I had, I had one in Durward Street, which I had my very first flat. I don't think I would have been able to do it with that because we needed the money to go and buy the next house. And yeah. I don't think the next house at Canarchy would have been able to do that either. But I do think this was the right numbers to make that work. And and, and I'm thinking, there's no question mark there because I've still got that today and it works. Mm. And it still earns money and still makes my return. So why would I no one to do that? And it still appreciates in value. Flats and apartments, by the way, have been the big appreciators in the next two or three years. Yeah, you said that a few times, and I've noticed the, um, over the last year how things have changed. Because we, we had a, a period there where uh, houses and things were becoming popular, but uh, flats are definitely on the up. Yeah. Now, these properties I'm buying right now, I, I could never... Well, I kind of did see this coming where the train, the train station is going to be literally just, what, maybe 500 metres from it. Yeah, so you're going to have a train station 500 metres from it. And I, and I kind of saw that coming. Uh, and I thought, one day this will appear. And you can see this these things happening over time because this is natural evolution for infrastructure. And this is what happens over time. You can see it where, as well, um, and the, the signs of a, 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 a thriving local economy it's when McDonald's, KFC, Pizza Hut, all these different Burger King, they decide to open in your area. They've done all the homework. They've done all the demographics. They've done the projections on how this place will grow in population. They know exactly what's going to happen next. And it's a real good sign for looking at what the market will be. Yeah, it's, it's good indicators to tell you the right information because they've done it all. They are multi-billion dollar industries. You're getting free 
free information, tactical information, and right on the ground about what they've done and what they're investing for that reason. Now, admittedly, you can say some McDonald's have actually closed, but the numbers are there, and they've only closed because they're probably they're probably no great at their service. Maybe the people that are in there, that's why they've maybe lost the franchise, and it's no harm for them. Um, so they're good indicators as well to look for when you're actually looking at a local economy. Let's talk about the next one. One bedroom, upper. And this is the one you said. I know. <laughs> I mean, what? Wait, wait. I bought this in July. Yeah, I know all, all your properties. And I'm like, do you, you said You said before we came on here, uh, do you have that one? Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that one. Do you have that one? Here for the tenant. <laughs> you even had me doubting. Whether I had that one or no, no I, I have that one. Is that one I've lost? Have I lost this one? Have I lost a property somewhere? I don't. I have dreams about that, believe it or not. Now and again, I have a dream that I actually come across a property that is in my portfolio and I don't even know I had it. <laughs> that, that's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. But that's that's how that, you know, see, I, I, I eat, sleep, and breathe this. Mm-hmm. So, you didn't actually realise that we had this one, and yet I've had it since 1999. Yeah, I totally, I totally thought, do we have that one? And that's but, because um, yeah. that's the tenant is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, look that's after themselves. We do the preventative maintenance. Mm-hmm. You know, we've done all we needed to do. It's got a new kitchen. It's got a new heating system. It's all nice and sleek. It's got it's got a new bathroom. I think I, I remember. I'm sure it's got a new bathroom, and so it's all perfectly. And the the person that's in there loves it. And and it's they're they're there and that's the whole point. You need to keep these people sweet. Yeah. I bought this one. For, I bought this one for ten thousand and eighty six pound in nineteen ninety nine. Currently, in the value today, it's probably around about fifty thousand. Eh? Uh, yeah, the fifty. So 50, literally, 000. that has gone up four hundred percent in value since I bought it. Now, again, I've put bathroom in. I've put heating system in. I've put double glazing in. I've put a new kitchen in. See how I've reinvested over the years in my, in my stock. So I maybe bought it for 10, but I've reinvested a lot of money in it. But 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 the great advantage of doing this is if you invest in the property when the tenant's living in it and you're replacing like for like, it's an instant tax deduction. Yeah. Chiching. And it's also it important. It doesn't go to capital appreciation. So because yeah. you're never going to sell, so yeah. you're never going to get that benefit back. So if you do it before, it's supposed to be capitalised. If you do it when the tenant lives in it, it can go right off the bottom line. And this is what I'm talking about, about being a tax efficient. And when you get to the end of the tax year, like you're in here and the end of the tax year is maybe March, start forecasting now where your tax is going to be your bill and then think and say, say to yourself, I'm needing to do some improvements now this year to bring my tax bill down. So I'm a, a lower rate payer, or maybe I don't even pay tax at all because it's covered by my personal allowance, or um, but, but at the end of the day, you'll still pay it the next year. But if you're a higher rate payer, by doing improvements now, it brings you down to the lower rate. Therefore, if you push it to next year, you'll still pay the tax. But next year, the tax is you might not be a high rate payer. So you'll, you'll have avoided the higher rate banding by, by proper tax planning. So that's another way to do this. Yeah. This, is what, this is what this taught me over the years, and this especially this property. Um, this is the one on Christmas Day, actually, one year. I had to go out on Christmas Day and fix a leak on a radiator at 10 o'clock in the morning when the downstairs property actually says there's water coming into my house. I then appeared at the door Christmas morning 
Okay. You see, this is the price you pay. Remember, there's a price you pay. You'll either pay the price now or you pay it later. At some point, you will pay the price. But I tell you what, the price now is a lot more than the bill from regret. Yeah, the bill for regret. We always talk about that, and it's important. So I was out on Christmas Day, and there were literally all their pals sitting around smoking, and I'm out fixing the radiator, trying to stop this for leaking downstairs. They had been sitting on the radiator and had fallen off the wall. That's how great they were. They were in there with all their pals sitting around about. And at some at some point in the time, this is so funny. I know, I know what you're going to say. One of the guys actually turned around at me and said, How's your day so far? How's your Christmas so How's your far? Christmas, Jim? <laughs> and I'm thinking, and I honestly I said to him, uh, what do you think my Christmas is like so far? I'm here doing this shit for you. And literally, because you've sat in the, your pals have sat in the radiator at the window. I says, if you hadn't have done that, I wouldn't be here. And he was very apologetic about it, and he got it. But yeah. but that, that that's a price you pay, and that was one of the stories I remember out there. So it is about prevention. It is about getting the right tenant. It's about screening people out. But remember, this is all early day stuff to me Yeah. Um, in the very beginning. So that was one of the lessons it told me. Uh, I actually have this on a, on a lifetime tracker again, base plus 1.15 to 2035. The mortgage is 27 grand. Property is 50. It's a no-brainer, isn't it? The, the, every single month, the interest is 95 pound a month, and I'm getting 375 for it. That's the, that's the debt destruction, what inflation does to a mortgage. The mortgage at the time, remember when I bought it at 10 grand, the mortgage is 27,000. It's a lot more, but now it's not because time's passed. The rent's gone up, but the mortgage has stayed the same. And it's base plus 1.15, which means you're literally paying 95 pounds a month for it. Yeah, that's good. So that's where we are with that one. Uh, and that's the lessons it's learned from there. Uh, the lesson I've learned from the next one which is actually quite an important one. This was one that my wife never wanted me to buy. It was right this next door to where we live. Yeah. Well, it's not. It was a two-bed at that time. That was an open plan downstairs with two bedrooms upstairs in the converted attic. Um, and I walked in the door, and it was a repossession. And I walked in the door and immediately thought, wow, I could subdivide this. Yeah. I could actually put a bedroom off the back, just like council houses, because I had double windows at both ends. I said, I could put a... And I could have a... Because that's what we had next door. Yeah, and I said literally for a stud partition, which would cost the best part of five hundred pound, I could make another what sixty pound a month. So for a five hundred pound stud partition, I could make another seven hundred and twenty pound a year in rent. That's a good return straight away, and I would have a three bedroom instead of a two bedroom, and make it all. I'd still have it all compliant. So that's I, I bought it. This is when I said to Elaine, "You don't know what you're talking about." I've got the long-term vision. Stay out of my business from now on. That was this was this property. Yeah. I just went and bought it. But this was the start of my relationship with the Clydesdale Bank. And the Clydesdale Bank were absolutely fantastic to me in the yeah. beginning. They had something called an investment housing loan. Right. So they allowed you to get three investment housing loans in each person's name. Uh, they actually just did three, three investment housing loans. This is the this is the key to ask the question. This is what we need to know here. This is the key. Listen in here. This is a this is a brilliant one. This is why you need to ask these questions. You're allowed three investment housing loans per household. Oh, can I know, have three in my name and three in Elaine's name? 
Now, the bank manager at the time was very sympathetic, and she says, can't see a reason why not. <laughs> <laughs> but they see, if I didn't ask that question, I would be stuck with three. It gave me an, upper, an opportunity to get six investment housing loans. And they said per household, but she said, no, 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 that's okay. It will be all right. I've checked. Mm-hmm. But she did something that she shouldn't have really done. But again, I asked the question. I said, is there any chance I could maybe get an overdraft so I could overdraft the deposits? Yeah. So she allowed me to get an overdraft to overdraft the deposits on the houses. Good. So I bought the houses with none of my own money. So but I, money I, I, that, but I hadn't asked the question. See, that's how it's important. To, I keep asking these questions every single time. They can only say no, but just be creative about what you're doing. So she said, yeah, that's no bother. I can give you the overdrafts. You can pay back the overdrafts over time. And then we can just have the investment housing loans as well. So I went out and I bought this property on investment housing loan. And I got the base. And literally, this, this I don't know what's happening here. They, these investment housing loans must be fixed term forever. Because I've been charged the same amount of interest every single month, come hell or high water, regardless. So I must have a fixed rate for life. And it's 25 years on the same rate. I literally pay £139 a month for this every single month. And it rents for 450 yeah. Now, at times, it was renting for 550 It was renting for 750 More than that, yeah. Yeah. So it just shows you every single month. And I bought that for £16,377. And literally today, if I put it on the open market, tarted it up, you'd probably get about 65 for it. Yeah. So it just shows you in that time as well how much it's valued. But I will not, I will not actually remortgage this because it's on a fantastic deal. I'm no bothered about it. Again, it gives me security and it gives me safety in the fact that I've got a huge amount of equity in case anything happens later on. Yeah. Now, this is a, this is actually what happened. Stupidly, she went on holiday. And someone else dealt with it. And then they phoned head office. And head office went, how, how? How is he getting how is he getting overdraft on his deposits? <laughs> <laughs> how, is, how is this working? So I think she got her arse felt for it. Um, if yeah. that you know what that expression meant. And and yeah. I, I was told quite blatantly, look, you're gonna have to pay off these dr- overdrafts. Yeah. I, and I was fine with that because we had the money to do it. I was just using their money at the time because I thought yeah. there's a great opportunity there. But again, if you hang around long enough, there'll be some doubt there that'll want to do that deal with you. There'll be some out there that want. There'll be some bank out there that wants to do that deal. I even see it coming through right now with the deal that I'm going going through for a couple of million. You know, I've now got another bank saying, "Oh well, remember it says we could do it in five years. Now we can do it in ten years. Now we can do it on less of an an interest rate. We can do it at base plus two point two five now instead of base plus two point two seven nine. So are they, are they coming back to you with us without even asking the question? Without asking. <laughs> without asking, desperate to get business. Because now the market's dropping for them, for borrowing, for lending. So therefore, they're looking at other people to lend to. Therefore, this is a this is a big deal to them. So they're now coming back and saying, well, see that deal you've got? We could probably... And I'm no, I'm not playing one off against the other. I'm just saying, look, I've got a deal already. It makes sense for me. But they're now coming back and saying, yeah, no, we can do it for, we can do it for better. So see how that happens if you hang around long enough. So that's that's that was the decision. I just bought that house. We went on with it, and we've never looked back from that. We still have that today, and it earns a lot of money for us for that reason. 
Now, I'm going to talk about one other at the end of this. For the people on Instagram, you know, when this is the people on Instagram, I'm afraid, you know, this will be the end of it. Not for live. Instagram live still running. But this will be the 60 minutes. You can only do 60 minutes upload on Instagram. So this will be the end for Instagram right now. So bye-bye to the Instagram people. Um, but have you, I'm, not, I'm not sure if the live stays on Instagram or no. Um, I've not checked if the live keeps running. Yeah, I don't know if the I don't know if the live actually stays though. Uh, once you finish it, once I think you, it. I don't think it does. No. Yeah, so it disappears. So if you're on Instagram right now, your quids in, you're you're going to get some of the some of the golden nuggets at this point in time, as we say goodbye. Later, as we say goodbye to the folk upload. For the people that actually don't see it, um, you can actually just go to our YouTube channel on Five Properties TV and actually yeah. see this one. This is the final one I'm going to talk about next, and we'll talk about the other one. It's an interesting one. So, uh, right. yeah. this is the one. This is the one that we've got. Yeah. yeah. This is the thorn. Well, it's not really a thorn in my side, to be honest, Richard. This is this this is an important lesson that's taught me about this. April two thousand. We actually the one that we spoke previously was bought in March two thousand. Clydesdale Bank was now giving us funding for six houses. Um, next one was April two thousand. I bought a two bedroom lower flat, and again, I'm sure it was a repossession. And I was in there like a rapid drain pipe. As soon as I see these in there like a rapid drain pipe, see if I can do a deal, get it done, get it off the market. Yeah. Um, so I got this for £17,347. You notice how I'm not really bothered about what happens to it at this point in time. <laughs> um, the, the next story that comes out of that. Now, I had it rented for a lot of years, and I was making a lot of money out of it. But lo and behold, in the last four years, what's happened to this one? Oh, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you a story of this one. It taught me to keep my mouth shut. Not about this, but about, you know, speaking to other people about tenants. Yeah. I had a tenant in there at one point in time. And I don't know if they were off their rocker or no. Um, and I don't mean it like that. I mean, things that they were saying, I was like, nah, you're just a, you're just a, if you understand the expression, you're just a bit of a Walter Mitty. Mm -hmm. um, so, and a Walter Mitty, I mean, just pie in the sky, thinking about, um, Somebody on TikTok's going, somebody on TikTok's saying, WTF, this. It's like, hey, if you're watching on TikTok, you've probably missed the best of the best investment journey ever um, in, in terms of how to, do, how to create wealth over a period of time. I'm just recording this on social media. You're getting advantage on TikTok now that you're getting to see it live while I'm talking about it, um, about my journey to my first million. Um, anyway. The one I learned out of this is to keep my mouth shut when you're talking to other people about tenants. Uh, and it's a very important lesson because I remember I put this guy into the property and it was many years ago in the early 2000s. And he was he was a bit iffy and I'm not really sure, but he was okay. He, he, he had a young child and he had a partner as well and they seemed reasonable and I thought he's going to look after this property. And that was fine. And then lo and behold, what the story was, I was speaking to someone else, renting them a property, and they mentioned his name. And they said to me, when I was speaking to them, showing them around the property, oh, that's right, um, uh, so-and-so's got his property up in, you know, this, this street. And, and he mentioned the property I was talking about, they were in. And he said, uh, you know, I know him and all the rest of it. I goes, ah, yeah, he just moved in two or three weeks back and all the rest of it. And I thought, I thought nothing of it. And then the next night, I get a, I get him on the phone to me saying there's some guy been at his window with a shotgun threatening him. And I'm like, he's talking rubbish. He's just trying to get a move here. 
Mm-hmm. You just try to get out of the area. Um, or get moved to another property. Or he's making up excuses. Or he's a bit doolally. Um, or a bit, you know, like in the head. And then it transpired that the police arrested this guy and for having a shotgun. And it was the guy I was actually talking to. <laughs> and, I, and I'd actually taken a deposit off him and a first month's rent to give him a house. And lo and behold, it was like backpedal as quick as possible. Now, this guy was really nice to speak to. And he was a really good guy. You could see him. But he had actually been he had actually been arrested for this. And he had actually been known for this. Because I actually said to the police, you know, this guy. And it's like when I mentioned the name, they went, oh, boy. So you'll need to keep away from that boy. And and then that's when I realised this is how all the vetting process came for me. It's like how it all how it all transpired. But but I I just phoned him up and I said, look, you know, Mark or whatever his name was. Look, to be honest, um, the landlord's actually chosen another person to rent the property, so I'm going to have to give you a deposit back and your first month's rent. And he went, ah, that's no problem. I understand and all this. Stuff. And he was he was he was he was absolutely fantastic about it. And but this was the same guy that was actually at this boy's window with a shotgun. I couldn't believe it. Now, it just shows you the amount of respect that somebody like that has for you because he respected me completely, but he never respected the boy in the property because he just looked at him as, you know, just just like him. So it just shows you how people perceive you and how they look at you. And it did teach me some valuable lessons throughout the process about, you know, to to actually don't get down there with anybody else. Hold yourself in high esteem. Mm -hmm. You're important. You run a business. You're a businessman. You're an investor as well. So think of yourself like that. Don't let other people just because you just because you came from somewhere else, and you know you could remember that, but don't get yourself down there with it. That's probably the most important point. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish off that one um, and uh, just two things. I'm gonna come back to that story about the people slagging off. That's what it reminds you. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish off with that, but I'm gonna talk about two five eight about the one I'm talking about right now. In the last four years, there's been a claim because the boy upstairs isn't going to repair his roof and the water's pouring into my property. This is the importance of having insurance and the right insurer because the insurer has indemnified my rent for the last three or four years and actually paid me in rent and actually paid me for the, all the repairs about what they think is needing to be repaired, even though it's not repaired so far. So I've actually managed to get and lost rent and actually insurance for repairs and improvements Round about, I would say, forty thousand pounds from the insurer for a property I bought for seventeen thousand. And without your insurance for that one, that would have been. That's um, important for having the right insurance. Now they've washed their hands of me now, and I'm having to come up with something else. And I'm not going to argue with them, to be honest, because it's it's a lost cause. I'll be there forever trying to argue with them, saying they're they're, they're still supposed to be paying me because I can't do anything about the person upstairs. But we know how to contain this now. And get yeah, that sorted. Let's drop it back on the market as a one bedroom rather than a two, because it's only the second bedroom that's been affected. So we can isolate that and close that off completely, because all the rest of the property is underneath our own flat roof. So we're going to yeah. get all that fixed and get that back on the market as a one bedroom now, and that's yeah, fine. Well, just, a, just approved works there that are going ahead just as we speak. Um, so hopefully in the new year we could get that one. And even rent it's a one bedroom. My mortgage is 124 quid. One bedroom's 375. So still making a good income out of it. And 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 we're not intending on selling it, so it's no big deal. And the mortgage is there for the next what 15 years. So it's not a problem. Let's come back to talking about yeah. my journey. 
this is this is the metaphor, and I'm going to talk about the what it is. So the people are slagging me off when I'm when I'm basically, you know, making a mockery of me. I was putting all that investment. I was in my overalls. I was taking all my painting and decorating everywhere. I was fitting all my own bathrooms. I was doing all my own tiling, and I was learning all these things out of Reader's Digest. You know, they had a book instead of YouTube. Yeah. Didn't have it that time. You yeah, looked at the Reader's Digest book, and it told you how to do things. You know, how to tile, how to plumb, how to fix radiators, how to do general, um, just basic electrics. Yeah. That was still allowed at that time because it was a competent person. Um, so you're able to change sockets and able to change uh, uh, light switches and that. That's why it's so important to stick in at physics, by the way, because um, it does teach you about wiring. Um, so I was able to do things like that. And I did all that myself. So it was investing in the property and actually um, keeping equity in it. That was important. But when I moved, these same people actually really turned nasty. Because I had moved out of the street, they were all stuck in. Mm -hmm. They didn't realise what I was doing and the future I was planning for. And they had no idea I was about to leave the bucket. Crabs in the bucket? Yep. So the crabs in the bucket scenario, as I talk about, you can look it up. So what happens with crabs in a bucket? You put a crab in a bucket and it'll climb out the bucket if it gets a chance. If you put a whole load of crabs in a bucket, and one crab tries to climb out, all the others will attack the crab and try and pull it back in to the point that they'll actually kill the crab rather than let out the bucket. And this was the, this was what was about to happen to me with people in the street. They had watched me all these years for the next four or five years or maybe, maybe eight years, going back and forward, working every single day, then coming out at night and working, and then coming out at weekends and working every single time as well. Even over Christmas and New Year, I was always working for my future. They saw that every time. Well, they sat and got pissed in their back garden and sat in the sun and enjoyed the barbecue and went on their fabulous holidays. I was building my financial future and my wealth creation to set me free, literally, to give me my time back. And when I left that street, they were not pleased at all. They were determined to pull me back in that bucket. Mm -hmm. well, we'll talk about that next week. Yeah, yeah, I what think that's a good. Next? Yeah, no, that's a good topic to kind of go a wee bit deeper on, Jim, because um, I think there'll be a lot of people that could relate to that, um, and it'll be good to hear your experience of how you worked through that. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. So we're going to talk well, about that next week. So we're going to start with that next week. We're going to talk about how what how these people reacted with me and how I dealt with it as well, and how I moved on from it. But it was a long time before I was able to move on because these people kept going at me for a very, very long time deliberately. Yeah. And there was no reason, and it, and, it, and it's comical now when I look back on it, about the things I used to do and and the things that used to get found out about. And it, and it was nothing to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, what? It's like you're, you're casting at me for something that's nothing to do with me. But they, they just looked at every opportunity to try and have a go. Um, and, and I'll talk about that next week, how that transpired and how that, that went on. And then we'll go into some of the other properties and the, the journeys yeah. I've actually done as well. Um, that was a good uh, rundown of your properties and the lessons you learned for each property and uh, along the way. Um, and yeah, that's a good place to stop. And 
we get back up with that next week. Um, yeah, and, um, there's a couple. Of, there's a couple of mentions, and Mick, Mick, I will come back to you. And I'll, I'll talk to you privately about that. I'll make a comment on this at the back of that, Mick, for you. So don't worry about that. And and Dave, you know, thanks for coming as well. Um, absolutely. Um, I, I agree with you completely. And uh, good afternoon, Andrea. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Uh, and everybody else, if you're listening to the podcast, you want to ask uh, any information. Um, or you want to get in touch with Richard, all the details are in this post as well, um, or you can get in touch with us, you can message us direct as well. Um, there's never a time that you can't get in touch with us, to be honest. We are at the end of a message. Message. Phone's not the greatest way. Message. That's the yeah. easiest way to get in touch with us. Every single I guess we get in touch with people nowadays. Yeah. And, and thanks for taking the time out today, Richard. Really appreciate oh, that. I enjoyed that. Um, and we will pick up again next week. We'll be back to 12.30 next week. Yeah. City 12, because we're 12 today. But, okay, Jim, that's good. Somebody, um, somebody said yeah. on TikTok, yes, Harry Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Benny Hill. <laughs> right, okay, that's brilliant. Uh, later, thanks guys. Bye bye. Later. I better switch everybody off.